Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who always makes films for audiences of one. <laughs> I am I am the Adam Glass, and uh, Pat, what uh, what audience do you think this film is for? Brunel himself? <laughs> well, I guess the audience of two, then. Yeah, Brunel okay. himself and God. The only person <laughs> who knows all of the things that Brunel's actually talking about here. <laughs> The only two people, Yunel and yeah, God. But, yeah, Brunel knows who we're talking about, and God knows who we're talking about. Everybody else is a little bit lost because, I mean, like, I for a real question. Like, I get, well, I guess it's not an audience. I guess it's an audience of, like, how many theologians would you say there are on Earth? <laughs> like, legit theologians. Like, the kinds who write, like, like, like articles about it and like theses and stuff and like and get published with regards to theology not Even, like in their own like i know there's a lot of people who are air quotes theologists okay yeah no i'm talking uh, people who like are considered academic theologists. academic theologians i know a number there are even within christianity within catholicism explicitly i know at least one personally okay uh, she was on an episode of uh of cinema credo a few months ago um uh, Dr. Catherine Schmidt. I actually I reached out to Dr. Schmidt uh, about this movie. Uh, <laughs> I I want you to know that I hate you. Would you like to watch this movie with me? <laughs> um, I uh, I told her I told her explicitly about the Jensenist Jesuit sword fight, uh, which I found silly and fun, and uh, and she did as well. And then I talked to her a little about the Brazilians. And I also talked to a uh, old friend of the show. Uh, he's never been on an episode proper, but he was also on the first episode of Cinema Credo. My monk friend, uh, Brother Thanasi, who is a Greek Orthodox monk uh, who was raised Catholic. Uh, and while not explicitly a theologian, uh, one of the most uh, theologically intelligent people I know as well. Right. I mean, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Neither of them really knew who the Priscillians were. That's what, So that's what I'm saying is like, uh, even if we're talking. So that's where I was kind of trying to go yeah. with this discussion was like, let's assume some number of theologians in the world. It's not a, it's a it's not a small number, but it's probably not an enormous number either. Now, assume that it's impossible for them to know all of these different sects of Christianity enough to like be able to like tell you, yeah, this is what they were all about. Yeah. There's no way anybody, there's no way just off the cuff without research. Anybody knows all of these sects on their own. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you did research and like, okay, here's a list of all the ones you need to be acquainted with before you watch this film. That's a different matter, right? You could do that. But to just walk into this and go, oh, right, I get everything that's happening here. That's for Brunel and God. Before we get further into this, uh, what I'm going to guess is going to be an astoundingly short episode of Lost in Criterion. Whoa, what, really? <laughs> oh, because both of us are too dumb to understand what's going on? 
<laughs> right. Uh, I would like to talk about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Uh, <clears throat> over there for just a dollar a month, you can help us keep going and you get access to a bonus episode that you also get to vote on what we're going to watch. I put together a list every month and uh, our supporters vote and we watch that movie and then uh, supporters get to listen to that and they have access to the entire back catalog of those episodes. We've been doing it for a few years now so there's uh, there's over 30 episodes over there of non-criterion films. Some of them very good movies like uh, Dog Day Afternoon or uh, The Americanization of Emily we did once over there. I really love that movie. Yep. Uh, some of them very bad movies, like uh, Will Ferrell's Kicking and Screaming or Monster Some of Squad. them seem like Adam's trying to torture me. <laughs> some of them I am actively trying to torture Pat. Uh, <laughs> proof, final proof that, that Adam hates me. Right, right. I just, listen, it's not that I hate you. It's uh, Think of me as Roberto Benigni's cab driver. In, oh, uh, right. I just want to torture you yeah. out of, a, of, a, out of out friendliness. Of, out of affection. Yeah, right. I got you. I have children. I know how that works. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, But yeah, that's a dollar a month over at patreon.com slash lost in criterion. Certainly in these trying times, we understand if you can't give us money uh, and we understand any current supporters who want to uh, scale back. uh, And that is, yeah, that's fine. Like if you don't, that's okay too. Let's be... I realized last time that we right. basically hard sold our supporters <laughs> right. on not also, supporting. Also, us if last you want to give us more money in these trying times, I'm out of like work, we appreciate so. it. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, um, <laughs> isn't life grand? A little extra over there, five dollars a month. We'd like to thank those people on air. So I would like to thank Christopher Otto and Adam Speakerman for your continued support at that level. Uh, a little above that, we do something really, really great. Uh, Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently, and I get that printed up on a postcard. Write a little thank you note and mail that off to people at the $10 and above mark. And we also like to thank those guys on air. Thank you to Michael McGrath and to Jason Westhaver for your continued support. Uh, hope you're weathering this pandemic. Uh, yes. <laughs> hope you're yeah. all weathering this pandemic. Hope everyone within the sound of my voice... I kind of hope everybody. I mean, I know that's a lot to ask. Certainly, certainly. Everyone within the sound of my voice is about three to four thousand people. Uh, So, so maybe assuming they're not all scraping bots from the internet, which I haven't ruled out. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, So, everyone beyond the sound of my voice as well. Um, Yeah, just hope you're doing well. I really do. Yeah, Uh, Pat. This week, uh, as we've already started talking about (laughs) the Milky Way. Uh, oh, Le yeah. Boche Lactis, uh, the 1969 film by Louis Bunel, the first in what was later described as Bunel uh, as a, a trilogy with The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie and The Phantom of Liberty, both movies that you and I, I think, understood and liked better than this one. Well, yeah, <laughs> because they were, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb and, and um, use some real, some real fancy terms uh, here right now, comprehensible. uh the milky way is uh sort of less akin to discreet charm uh than it is akin to uh say sweet movie or wr (laughs) yeah Um, yeah okay yeah yeah. no i see where you're going with this (laughs) it is it is something to be held behold and it possibly only makes sense in the mind of its creator or as Pat said, the creator, 
of all. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh-huh. yes. <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, it is a film that is explicitly a critique of a very not. It is a a broad attack on an esoteric topic. This is not even a critique of Christianity writ large or religion writ large. It is critique of Catholic dogma. Now, now as such, given Buñuel's life and that he was born and raised in Spain, probably Catholicism represents all religion to him in a, in a manner. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the most interesting thing about this movie is that Bunel sort of uh, anticipated the common complaint, the common counter-argument when you start saying anything about religion, oh, it doesn't make sense or whatever. Uh, the most common rebuttal from a religious person would be, oh, you just don't understand it. And Bunel very much went out of his way to show all of his research in this movie. <laughs> Right, yes, that that is true. You definitely get the impression that Brunel really cracked some books to make yeah. this happen. Uh, the problem is, of course, what we get into, which is I shouldn't have to also crack a book. <laughs> crack a book to understand the movie? Like, more than one yeah. book, obviously. Luckily, now we have the the great book yeah. that is known as the Internet. I But, uh yeah. I joked on Twitter while watching this that I would really what I really need is like an annotated version of this movie, like a pop-up videos version. Yeah, yeah totally. You where the need information just a B-list celebrity to pop yeah. up in the corner and tell you what's happening. <laughs> tell you what. When the when the Priscillians first showed up, I had to pause the movie for 10 minutes while I figured out anything about the Priscillians. See, that's um, see that's where you and I differ. Yeah. I do this so I work in academia as a job. Yeah. I don't want to bring that job home. <laughs> and then also apply it to a topic I don't give a shit about. Yeah. I uh I watched this movie with my copy of Chaz F. Clifton's Encyclopedia <laughs> of Heresies and Heretics open in front of me. Oh shit. Here's the oh. thing. Uh Clifton does not mention the Priscillians either. Nobody knows who right. these people are. Because Yeah. <laughs> well, like, okay. Like, I want to get into things. Like, even then, even with all the things we have in here, like, this doesn't begin to scratch the surface, right? Because, like, you get a sort of infinite number of splits off of of mainstream of any given mainstream Christian right. Uh, dogma, right. right? It's infinite. The idea that, like, so, like, you're eventually going to hit some that no one, like, you know about and, like, four other people know about. Right, right. Or, alternatively, only one other person knows about My survey of people I consider experts in the field <laughs> knew nothing. <laughs> so, right. uh, including a book on the topic. <laughs> right. So, so the thing is, uh, cursory Wikipedia search. Wikipedia does have a page on the Priscillians. Um, and this, in particular, the, the Priscillians in the movie, uh, as our main characters, the tramps, uh, are camping out one night. Uh, they encounter a man who is speaking what seems to be, well, whatever it is, it's not a language they understand. And it's not translated. It might be Latin. I don't know. It might be whatever it is. 
but then we follow that man into the woods where there's a group of people having a religious ceremony and uh they are meant to be Priscillians. Uh right. They uh the thing I learned from Wikipedia is that Augustine or Augustine depending on where you put the emphasis in that when you say it uh did write something particularly to push back against Priscillian ideas. It was called on lying uh because the Priscillians believed that lying for a holy purpose was okay. Um, okay. And Augustine, Augustine was trying to push back against that idea. And that's an idea I actually still encounter today in, in Christian circles, that uh, that sort of fudging the truth in order to get to, uh, to a greater good, uh, a greater Christian good, is maybe not too bad. Um, I disagree with it, but <laughs> it is an idea that It is still, oh, yeah, a philosophy you do encounter. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Uh, the other thing... I learned about the Priscillians uh, is that they were Gnostic, uh, which is kind of a given for the time, uh, that uh, they believed in an eternal soul uh, and that human bodies were essentially created by the devil and the eternal soul is tied to a finite human body because of the fall of man and uh, that uh, that therefore flesh is evil, uh, which is a pretty common Gnostic idea that 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 flesh is is evil um and that's you know later we get in in the movie we get in conversations about uh the divinity of christ and whether he was god whether he was human whether it was fully god or fully human uh the the traditional christian orthodox dogma is that he was both fully god and fully human uh but the gnostics fall down on that he was fully god he was a fully spiritual being and not human because the the dirt of humanity could not touch a perfect spiritual being. Uh, as such, the Priscillians, as far as I can find in my research, were celibate. Right, but like which is okay. not how this movie portrays them. However, right, but I, okay. However, real quick, uh, Wikipedia connects the Priscillians uh, to two conversion generations away from Marcus who is a Gnostic in the Iberian Peninsula in the early 4th century, um, or early 5th century, rather. And there is an article on Marcus in Clifton's Encyclopedia of Heresies and Heretics, uh, who's described as a Gnostic teacher in, the, in southern Gaul, um, the Rhone Valley in particular, during the time of Arrhenius, uh, late 2nd century, in fact. Uh, Marcus... Uh, is denounced by people at the time, uh, church people at the time, uh, as a self-proclaimed prophet and magician whose chief aim was having sex with his female followers and tricking rich women into having okay. sex with him. Um, so, so that part sort of plays into how how uh, <clears throat> Buñuel portrays them here, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, but that... even that, this is. It, it degrades into a paired-off orgy. It's not even, you know... It's... Well, because it's still... I think a part of that, though, is that it still does carry that sort of Brunel sort of irreverence with it, right? Right. right. Like, this is not but, that dissimilar to but, something like the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie right. in terms of the way things play but, out, right? Like, But I, I'm focusing on this as a microcosm. What is his intent, 
Oh God, I, ha- I was gonna. With that scene. I assumed what we were gonna spend the entire episode talking about because I, I the only takeaway I could get from it is completely dismissed by the the interviews and stuff that happened after it, which was to just say this all this shit is fucking crazy, right? And and he calls his that cycle that three that sort of ad hoc trilogy yeah. the search the for truth, truth yeah the search yeah. for truth. Which implies that if one is searching for truth, it implies that it is not known, that it does not, that <laughs> right. you do not have it. My, which I go ahead. I'm sorry. My only takeaway from this film is that Buñuel is striking out against the very idea of dogma. Yes, I that, think so. That that one cannot know, so it is detrimental to uh, to finitely declare anything, right? And that's what we frequently see in this movie are, are uh, you know, everyday people having uh, very animated conversations about the nature of metaphysic, metaphysical ideas and proclaiming things as if they have finite knowledge. And then those right. people yeah, are no, exactly. revealed to be silly, right? Or insane. <laughs> Outright. Escaped, escaped mental patients <laughs> right. at one point. Uh, so that makes sense to me, I suppose. And, and as someone who, I mean, I, we've got a, with Bunel, I always come back to that one interview, uh, we read around, uh, Diary of the Chambermaid, where Bunel talks about the foot fetishism in the movie, uh, as him just thinking it's very funny, the idea of a foot fetish. Right, like we we came and, down to the fact right. that Brunel is also not also not good, right? In right. the Brunel, sense that Brunel like is judgmental about yeah. other people. Right. The other part of that interview was uh, that we stuck on was Brunel saying that it would be it would be unhelpful for him to visit uh, a psychiatrist because he knows himself too well. Right. Yes, I remember that conversation yeah. very well. Right. So. Part of this is someone who's very adamant that he's an atheist, but is still coming to terms with with the remnants of beliefs that he has at least says said he's rejected outright, right? And that's part of the point of the longer of the the supplements on this, um, the uh, the one about uh, the atheist loves for God or whatever. I mean, atheist, right. thank God, is is something that Bunel is. Yeah, quoted thanks as to God. Yeah, yeah. Um. So it's it's it says, but but like even specifically, why the Brazilians? What are you doing to to? to well, I mean, if, if his why ultimate, make it a real group? Period. If you're just well, going that's, to well, I okay. So let's <laughs> if we're gonna get into this, right? Like then we're, I guess we're gonna get into this, which is like if you. So, number one, it has to be real groups. Because if you choose anything that's not a real group, then you're just accused of just making shit up. Of just of Fair. just maligning yes. Christianity right. based right. on nonsense that you cooked up. Despite the fact that there are, you can easily point to evidences that are even more kooky than what you cooked up. Yeah. That never matters. Unless you pick, like, as you mentioned, you better show up with your fucking research. Because <laughs> right, right, right. everybody... Especially now in our in our modern era, everybody with the internet automatically becomes an expert uh, 
on everything as soon as you bring it up, right? So you better you better bring your research to the point where we often see actual experts getting debated by idiots with Wikipedia, uh, right, right, all right. the time, right? Uh, so, and 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 especially when you're dealing with theology, that's ten right. times because more uh, true. It's, I mean, it's uh, theology as I as I've stated in the past. You know, theology, uh, philosophy are interrelated in that, you know, and sociology to a certain extent. You're talking about philosophy applied to certain ideas, right? And right. and to we've been arguing philosophical ideas for for you know, 3000 years or or more, right? It's not it's not a definitive thing you can say. Right. You can only you can choose what you believe and you can decide that that belief is the only way things make sense to you. Right. But things make sense other ways to other people. Right. And this is this is why I have always inherently I don't know if you you've ever noticed. I have to the best of my ability on this podcast refrained specifically from sharing my beliefs about the topic of religion on this podcast because you this is that is a no sum that is a, a right. zero sum game. Like you right. don't win in that game. Right. Um especially for someone of my belief structure. Uh, and so I have avoided it. Uh, and the problem is, is that Brunel decided, looked at it and said, well, I'm fucking, and like just strapped on his boots and decided to weigh it in. Like, right. Into a battle he cannot win. Right. But because there is no winning. This game sure. doesn't have a winner. Right. It doesn't exist. Um, and so, I mean, but that's what he decided he wanted to do. Uh, and as somebody, I have, okay, like to get, if we're going to get into the nitty gritty of it, right? I am an atheist, have been for quite a long time. Um, and the reality of the matter is that I learned very quickly to not be the kind of atheist that drives me crazy, which are the ones who have decided to go to war with Christians. Yeah. I understand the impulse of it. I get it deeply because it, it is something I resist often uh as a as an urge uh because there is that is a stupid thing to do it is a waste of my time their time and everybody else's time to try to win in a battle that has no winners right um and so the reality of the matter is is that like but Brunel just decided to fucking do it, and so here we are. <laughs> and if you're gonna do it, you have to you you will not win. But this is what you do, right? Right. You right. show up with all your research in hand, right? And you pick the craziest shit you can find, <laughs> right? And say, and don't even really tr you never really try to like do the logic argument because because of the nature of religion logic is already not necessarily a functional part of the way it works. What you do is you try to show up with, all right, here's all the crazy shit that people believed. If you look at this in some total, you should get some meta idea about how crazy this shit is. <laughs> right. The problem is, is that does not work, but that's what Brunel is trying to do here is well, I think put it on the table. I think, I don't know if that's necessarily exactly what, you know, I was trying to I, do, yeah, and maybe, I, and maybe the difference is still so such a thin line that it doesn't matter. But I think, I think what Junel is trying to do is is like with his other films. He believes it is absurd to say you have this knowledge, right? 
So he is leaning into the absurdity of saying you have that, this That's kind of what I meant, and yeah. And that is, of course, where the sword fight comes in, and a Jesuit and a, and a Jansenist having a sword fight. Um, now, we've talked about Jansenism briefly before in one of the six moral tales, um, and, and Jansenism is a sort of uh, post-Reformation, after the Protestants broke off of Catholicism, the Jansenists popped up in France and presented a lot of very Protestant ideas about the nature of free will and predestination and grace uh, that were very Calvinistic, that, that, that uh, predestination, for instance, meaning uh, that God has predetermined uh, everything that might happen in the universe, or that will happen in the universe, rather. Not that might, um, but that will, uh, up to and including who is elect, who will be saved uh, within Christianity, and who will who will go to hell. Uh, whereas the counter-argument being that, that everyone is open to being elect, everyone could be saved, uh, this is the... the the Jesuit counter-argument, I suppose. You, you have to choose grace, and that grace is irresistible grace. In fact, you cannot, you cannot resist that grace, which is ultimately what leads to a, uh, a universalist argument that, that everyone will be saved. Um, <clears throat> but, but all of that is, at its heart, an absurdity, and it's so, uh, so esoteric. It is absurd to argue it, and is even more absurd for waiters to be arguing it for instance uh well but i am, am also but it is no more absurd for it waiters is, to be arguing right? it's, a, than it's for not anyone more to absurd arguing, because right? it's it's it just absurd. silly around right. right but i am for everybody i am reminded of one time night when i was at work and uh two of our waiters uh one who was uh sort of half remembering the uh uh Egyptian mythology, Isis and Ra being uh, prototypical Christ figures that the Christians borrowed from that that old old chestnut of a debunked theory, and arguing that against uh, someone who said that her twelve years of Catholic school made her an expert in this theology, um, and and arguing arguing Jesus' divinity. Uh, over the course of like three hours during service, it was right, like, and that is it's a very patently absurd thing. Right, but it is very important to understand that what Brunel is capturing there is real life. It seems right. absurd, absolutely, but it is not absurd. It is a thing I have witnessed. I, the number of stupid theological arguments form. I have had, right? Yeah, and and few uh, lesser absurd forms, right? So. I've witnessed I've witnessed that entire spectrum, <laughs> right? Right. And yeah, you know, again, I just I don't as, but it's not even necessarily. It's not like Bunel coming to terms with all of this either, because he is making this movie. Now, when this movie, right, I don't, I don't, I don't, I would never argue that this is Brunel coming to terms with it. I do not think right. that that is true. Right. I think this is Brunel trying. Brunel is, we know Brunel for one thing and one thing specifically, which is, hey, fuckers, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Right. That is essentially his primary and only argument that he ever operates under, which is right. trying somewhat failingly to make people examine what they believe and what they do and say, this is ridiculous. 
to do with it. And 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 the only thing I really got a value out of the interview, other than a couple of things that I think are, will be funny to talk about later, <laughs> is the fact that of Brunel's Brunel's connection to the surrealists and the fact that that is essentially the same fundamental right. goal, which is to just say, look, this doesn't make any more sense than anything else. Yeah. Like... What we're doing here is no more logical or sensical than any other thing that we could be doing here. Right. Uh, and 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 that all the structures and everything that you do and believe are fundamentally just as absurd as anything else you could be doing and believing right now. Right. Uh, and in that, I, I, I decided, and I, I, we joked at the beginning about about this movie being made for a sum total of two people. Yes. Uh, well, one of whom is not a person. Right. Um, but as, all jokes aside, the way I decided to approach this movie was to try to view it from a more meta state rather than trying to understand individual portions. Because I don't think right. the individual things are important. I don't think the discussion of the Jansenists or the whatever the hell the other one was, the Priscilla... I, I yeah. get, like none of that is actually important. Right. That that underlies the sort of like when you are if you're making a sort of academic argument, the thesis, you know, you've got your thesis statement which is very clear in this film, I think, which is what we're talking about right now. It's not perfectly clear, but it's there. And then you have all your supporting arguments. These are just the supporting arguments. You could go look them up if you wanted to. Which is sort of the idea. Which to be fair, uh the British press the original British press screenings of this uh everyone was provided with a cliff notes version of all the different right. ideologies which is what you could movie. do you could right. do that right. you could just sit there and be like okay right because but, but i don't think that's for anyone's knowledge benefit but less to keep them from being distracted as i was distracted. yes exactly totally right. that's what i was that's where i was yeah. kind of going with it too like it's to stop them from doing the whatever year this was equivalent to fucking stopping and googling everything right Right. Like, which is even harder in that context, <laughs> right? Where it's like, oh my god, like I'm making notes and I'm gonna have to go look this shit up keep, later. Keep somebody in the lobby on the phone with uh, right. a library, and uh, like I'm gonna have to remember all this stuff yeah. for later. I mean, it, it is, it is. I think you are right. That is the only functional right. role of that thing. Whereas, if you're doing, I honestly think if you're doing this movie right. You're not paying it. You're not focusing on that. Right. Right. Um, I think later Brunel films, uh, specifically *The Street Charm of the Bourgeoisie*, does a better job in the sense that be less being less esoteric about things, like making the absurdities more absurd, but still obviously parodying. Parod. Ah, fuck! I can't speak. Um, par- I can't. I can never say that word. Satiring or something something without forcing you to necessarily have to go look it up um i i say that just because those were those were more comprehensible to me they felt more broad strokes rather than specific uh topics which made them easier so yeah 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 yeah, I yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, this one suffers because his 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 
supporting arguments are super esoteric. Right. In their origin. Not in the I point think, they're trying to make. I think another another way to sort of understand this movie as as uh as the argument that the Pythons were actually trying to make in the life of Brian. That that the dogma itself is what's the problem. Right. But, yes, I agree. Yes. And, yeah. And Bunel to he doesn't lean into it a lot, uh, but to a certain extent uh, he does occasionally show us the dogmas leading to violence, right? And that's part of the problem, right? right? Um, with with Life of Brian, it's more, but it's more explicitly about political and religious dogma in tandem, um, as well, right? With the leftist groups right. breaking breaking apart because they're not they're not ideologically sound or whatever. Um, so yeah, you know, it's it's. The certainty is what leads to the violent defense of those ideas, right? Right. Uh, and as such, the certainty is itself a problem. Now, now, if uncertainty of ideas also lend, also leads to, I think, peripheral people being hurt, right? Whether your ideas are certain or uncertain, they can still have the the downstream effect of hurting others. Um. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I don't know because I think the only, the way that they get the ability to hurt others is if you still decide to follow through with like right. enacting your beliefs despite not being certain fair. of them. Like the, the decision to act, whether you are certain or not, is the is the fundamental sort of problem that leads to harm right right but i think there are plenty of people who uh in many areas of lives uh there are plenty of people who are uncertain of their own personal stance uh but are still dogmatically uh hurting people in in the stance they choose to take public right right but that that's that is a choice to act that like certain or not that's a choice you've made like once you decide to to take that stance in public, you are, whether or not you have certainty or not, you you have done it, like, and you get into that thing where like the action is the action of doing is important. Yeah, like if I, I, I'm trying to think of very specific examples, but like, you know, uh, if you are not sure about something, but well, we get into we're walking, are walking our way towards Pascal's wager or something like that. Now here we go, right? Uh, but like, the reality of the matter is, is that like, your beliefs hurt somebody when your beliefs affect the way that you behave, right? And the way you act towards other. Now, the problem is, is that you have to always act. Like, there's no, there is no inaction. No, it, it is it, just, it, it is just as possible that your beliefs cause you to uh, not hurt people. Right when you choose to act. Right, well, right. that that totally true. When I but, and but that that is not a function of action or inaction. That is a function of just the net result of what you do. Right. Like what what I mean is like there is no non-action. It doesn't yeah. exist. Non-action is action. Um, you get into the you know the the sort of classic thing that keeps coming up recently, uh, which is like if you choose to remain neutral. In your stance between the oppressor and the oppressed, you have sided with the oppressor. 
Like right. that's the way it works. Right. If you're not pushing uh, against the status quo, you are making a political decision. Yeah, you are the status quo at that point. Yeah, and 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 that's a thing that people have a hard time coming to to terms with, um, and like really severely have a hard time coming to terms with. But nobody wants reality- to be the bad guy, Pat. No, no, we no, totally. I get it. But the reality of the matter is, is if you don't do something or say something or you don't do your best to avoid doing that thing, you you are the bad guy. But like, uh, and and this is coming from a person who is the bad guy, like <laughs> for real. Like you know, it's it's all it is to a certain extent unavoidable. But um, the the reality of the matter is, is that like, um. Where we're going with this is there is no inaction that just yeah. doesn't exist, and right. and and so when you get into inaction, the idea of like, well, I'm not certain if this is, I'm uncertain, uncertain in my beliefs. Well, you you don't have the option to just not do anything. That's not one of the options available to you because even that is doing a thing, and and that's where you do get into a problem, right? Because you can still end up hurting people despite not having consciously decided to hurt people. Yeah. Well, I think I think then one thing Buniel is doing here is pushing against a lot of status quos at the same time. Right. And and in total saying to all of them, you don't actually know this, so stop acting like you do because you are hurting yourself and others. Right. Yeah. And and he is pointing out a thing which is true, which is that whether real or not real sort of certitude is is still more dangerous than the accidental form of that right like i i mean for real accidentally hurting people through sort of like not being sure what the right answer is is still less dangerous than well i know what is right and i am going to make everybody follow my version of what is right like that that is and and Brunel is talking about in many ways talking about that specifically yeah and the fact that and 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 then the interview they talk about the fact that or not the interview yeah you know that that sort of that um atheist thanks to god thing yeah they talk about the fact that Brunel sort of envisioned this is the first one in that series but envisioned this as a sort of kind of being universal, extending beyond just religion, because this does apply to any dogmatic right. thought process. Right. I also I also think that uh you know in Bergman we see a similar thing. You know, he, he excises the the religious stuff in a series of three films early on, and then, you know, that pops up later on, but it doesn't become his principal focus anymore. And even within this trilogy, the the religious stuff he gets out of the way first. Right. And and with Viridiana, you know, he 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 pokes at that earlier on. But this is a this is a late in life trilogy thing that he's he's pumping out and you know, he gets rid of this one and then he moves on to broader societal and political structures with the other two movies. Uh I I guess another thing I think is weird about this movie with Bunel being a self-described atheist. Uh is that this movie is still strangely relevant or strangely reverent of Mary. Uh, in a, yeah. in a still like anti-Catholic way. Like we meet Mary and she immediately greets her youngest son. 
right? And that is that is explicitly, even even though it's very subtle in this, that is explicitly an anti-Catholic idea. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but but it's still it is still reverent of Mary. Mary is a sweetheart. Mary uh, Mary tells Jesus not to shave. Uh, Mary, which is a weird thing to have in a movie, but whatever. A, I don't. Also, it's a great throwaway. But but even it's it's also an introduction to to the weird time melt that we're going on because we see that scene framed as one of our tramps saying, "Oh, I remember what my mom used to say," and Mary's advice right. saying, "The beard suits you," is what his mom used to say, right? Uh, and then they're like, it's like, "Oh, your mom was a wise woman," well, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It, it's and Mary, Mary as mother of all, is a very Catholic idea too, right? Um, right. But uh, but then Mary later in the movie, you know, we get the two anti-trinitarians uh, who who steal the hunter's clothing and destroy the rosary, and then Mary shows up to give them back the rosary, right? <laughs> Wordlessly, even. Um, it's just well, and I think, and it's fascinating because I think a lot of the that's why I think it's really the movie is weird in the sense that I'm going to go back to a classic there, in the sense that I think the reverence comes back to almost a push for the idea that like we were talking about this before but like more being about the dogma than the religion itself like the yeah. I, the fundamental principles of the religion which makes me actually do a thing I don't like to do which is question whether or not Brunel was actually an atheist or not oh, uh, I think I think you know probably described yourself as an atheist but but if we got down to brass tacks he, it may be more proper to call him an agnostic yeah because like when you're if you're it, when you make a movie and all your and your main purpose is to refute dogma rather than the fundamental belief structure that underlies the entire thing right. the, like that's the a Jesus different thing than a Bertrand's teapot thing too right the Jesus yeah. hero is is very human and he's a Jesus who who sort of balances back and forth i really love the ending of this movie the final sequence with jesus and the blind man oh not bertram russells why did i say bertram i don't know yes my mind. <laughs> oh because that's his first name god man yes. my brain is broken yeah i just need to go lay down can i go lay down uh in a little bit we'll get you to bed uh the final sequence of this movie i really love in that um you know it's 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 continuing in a very human jesus um but but with the blind man uh, and this is this is pulled right out of the Gospels. Jesus spits on some dirt and uh, and rubs it in the blind man's eyes, and then tells the disciples not to tell anyone what would happen. But but the, our blind men here in particular are excited to to see, uh, and then asking about color and asking about trees, and then maybe I I don't know exactly what Punel is trying to say with that final sequence, but what I took away from it is that the the opening of eyes, and that maybe he views Jesus's intent as the opening of eyes, but the opening of eyes is not necessarily the putting on of an <laughs> putting someone onto a new path, right? Uh the ability to see and the knowledge of how to move forward are separate things. Uh yeah, I mean that's definitely one interpretation of I mean like right. it's meant to be very very purposely ambiguous right like very much so i mean there's a there's a bunch of different interpretations you could end up with with that yeah. there's the possibility that you you have to explore the possibility that it's not really a miracle right like that it they just didn't just uh, they're not healed that this yes. is not a thing that happens they're psychosomatically uh, healed or something yeah yeah uh i mean that is just a thing you have to 
except as a sort of one of the possible arguments of it. Um, there's the possibility that like you could get into you could get real weird with it and and talk about the fact that like what how does a person who has never seen before ever right deal with that and that's introduced that's this late in their life yeah. deal one with thing, one thing I was thinking about in my interpretation yeah. they don't have depth perception because they don't understand what depth perception is that's like why they're they're, yeah I mean it's like you know we you you watch those videos um you watch those videos uh that show up on the internet every so often about like a baby getting cochlear implants or something like that and yeah. hearing for the first time and that's a baby yeah and in adults it is much more traumatic uh because it, they are so much their their lives have been built so much around something a, a different way of living and having a, a perception of the universe uh and and human beings being the way we are vision is even more fundamental to that uh, uh yeah. And so, like, who knows, right? Like, that's just one of the possibilities. Is they're just, just not equipped for it. Like, um, which is an interesting one to think about. Uh, or, or if they, or the possibility that like they begin to doubt it almost immediately, right? Like, there's, you know, there's a lot of different options. Yeah. For that scene, I think. Can I can I present an option that I think might be Bunel's at least unconscious purpose? Yeah, sure. And I really feel like this might be true. Um, the idea that, and and this reflected in Bunel's life in claiming to be an atheist, even even be, well before he makes a movie like this, right? Uh, say they are their eyes have legitimately been opened, um, metaphorically, to to the sake of this scene and the ideas here. But even once your eyes are open and you can see truth you are still reliant on the structures that you're coming out of uh-huh. they still need the sticks right for now perhaps but but like Bunel, who has declared himself an atheist but is still deeply indebted uh either in comfort or in worldview to the structures of certain aspects of catholic ideology Right. Yeah. No, I get. Right. What, I totally get what you're saying. And yeah. and and this is a. I mean, again, I I don't know that this movie is directly about Bunel's struggles. Uh, I, I don't. Say. I'm not even saying it's about. No, I know. I well, that, I was going to go somewhere right. with that. Right. Which is by all means. I'm sorry. The where I was going to go with that is the fact that as somebody who has dealt with some of this stuff in the past, one of the things that you go through is that society has from. When you live in a society like the United States or something like that, from literally moment one, this is a part of your existence. It is very similar to the blind men in, in that way, right? That is why your argument is has a lot of merit is the yeah. idea that, like, the idea of throwing off the shackles of this is, is almost impossible because it is a part of you from moment one, right? Like... um I had an interesting conversation with somebody the other day and I had used the word uh, the term act of God. And, and they mentioned the fact that that was seemed odd coming from me. And I'm like, and I understand why you would, why someone would say that that makes sense (laughs) considering who I am, but like act of God bless you. When somebody sneezes, these are all like 
am I supposed to no longer, uh, you know, right. the flip the, side of that is, am I supposed to no longer communicate the way humans communicate? Like, right. create my right. own new language to avoid, the, like... The idiometric aspect of language, you know. We also uh, no longer use horses in our daily life, but we still talk about putting the horse before the cart and horsepower right. and, uh, you know. Exactly. And and, and, it, and it's there are certain things like that that are unavoidable, and those are really dumb, basic examples yeah. of that. But the reality of the matter is, is that all of life is kind of like that when you live in a Christian society. Uh, Absolutely. It, it, it is interesting because I have moved to a society that is not Christian. Right. Uh, and so, but is has its own religious past that it contends with in different ways that come up often and I'm not equipped to necessarily understand automatically and have had to study a lot to understand. Um, but like even some, even some Western Christian ones pop up sometimes because of that sort of the pervasiveness of that and exchanges between uh, places like America and Japan. But like I, I'm, I'm on kind of easy mode because your average Japanese person is not going to ask me or confront me with how right. that stuff jives with my beliefs about God. You know what I mean? But, like, it's still a thing I had to think about, and I was an atheist before I came to Japan. It's not like it happened when I got here. Yeah. So you have to come to terms with some of that. And, I, like I said, I don't think that's what Brunel's necessarily doing there, but, like, it's a part of you. It's sometimes very right. hard to escape. You just, and that's it, it, that's sort of what it, I'm saying, right? Yeah. That that this is Bunel's inability to escape. Totally, ideologically. I, I agree with that to a certain extent. Right. Yeah. The background, like the idea that like it's it's it is essentially his bias. Like it's a yeah. part. He doesn't even actually necessarily probably recognize these some things as being religious per yeah. se but but even look at look at like the new atheists and and sam harris in particular i think of who uh are constantly arguing uh against christianity but for some idea of western values right right but, yeah and the, yes yeah but the history of western values is one uh inexcrutable from from the history of christianity in the west right Right, yeah. You're, and you're arguing and, the and, return and, to Christendom even as you're arguing that Christianity is nothing. Right. Um, and and that's the, the, the problem is is you, you do get it is very easy to not be introspective enough about right. that kind of stuff. Right. And you come up with what you end up with is a sort of like Christian atheist fascism of like ideas where you're like, Well, I we need to be this way, but the only reason we are this way is that thing, but I'm not going to admit that that's the reason why we are this way. Like, like I, it bring it always brings to mind for me Shakespeare, mm -hmm. and the fact that like Shakespeare is fucking un, fundamentally incomprehensible without a, a, at least some grounding in in Christianity. Yeah, and the fact that like you also like have to know Shakespeare to be considered knowledgeable about america like english literature you yeah. know what i mean like it always loops back I w i've thought about this with regards to my children a fair amount because i don't necessarily want to teach them about christianity but like you also have to be like well okay but how do i make sure they understand what a person is fucking saying to them <laughs> right 
Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because it can get that bad sometimes. Like, it just can be. Like, you can just learn things purely idiomatically, which is fine, but learning them that way unfortunately disadvantages you with regards to the way that you can manipulate the language. Right. And the ideas inherent to it if you only understand them purely idiomatically rather than as having a, a base sort of origin. Right. And I think on another turn, Gunell is trying to show your origin in some of this too, right? Right. Um, and show you that the origin's just absurd as... Yeah, it's totally iteration. absurd. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing is, is like, Brunel's not necessarily providing a path forward or right. anything like that. Right. No. But like, at the same time, you can kind of mentally get into the space where like, the only path forward, if you wanted to somehow deal with this in a way that stops being a thing that could hurt somebody, or at least less so, would be to directly acknowledge the origin, make sure that everybody knows where it comes from, and then everybody's operating with full sort of knowledge as they move forward. It wouldn't yeah. fix the problem, but... Uh, and again, I, I It would think... be better than what most people do, which is just sort of act dogmatically, right? I will, I will move on to say I think... Bunel is conscious in the interpretation that I presented of that ending, in that Bunel thinks he is opening eyes without necessarily providing a framework to move forward. Uh, it's definitely possible. I mean, I, 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 I hesitate to ascribe any particular purpose to Bunel. Purpose to Bunel. <laughs> he is the yeah, because I feel it's like risky fair. business. Yeah, yeah. like um, I, I especially find it to be hilarious because in that interview thingy that they had there at the end, they talked about how much Bunel hates being kind of interpreted. Yeah. Which at the same time makes me kind of want to just do it right now because fuck him. Right. But like, to like make a piece of art and then be like, oh, don't try to understand this. Bunel was a surrealist, a but was he ever explicitly a Dada? Like, <laughs> I don't think so, no. I. But then again, like I not, I'm not clear on exactly how deep into the surrealism <laughs> he was, because he he kind of only seems to be toying with it at any given time. Yeah, I don't think he commits a hundred percent to just being full on fuck nuts surrealist. <laughs> right. That's that's fair. I don't know. You know, of course, if you've ever seen Inchien Andalou, it's certainly very. 1930s surrealism um but also you know flip side dolly was a fascist so you know right and, and that's <laughs> the other thing that scares the shit out of me it's like i don't want to go to a place where this is just you know i mean that's a whole other thing right that scares me about kind of where surrealism can go yeah as a sort of potential is like well fascism <laughs> yeah yeah uh, there. Uh, there were, you had mentioned there were aspects of the uh, uh, atheist thank God or whatever um, that uh, that you found funny to bring up. What uh, what were they? Oh, oh, well, now I don't remember. I, I, I did mention, like, I think one of them was specifically the fact that, like, Brunel, Brunel was like, don't, don't try to. Yeah. Don't try to like analyze this. It's like, dude, come on now. Right. Like you can't make hyper esoteric like <laughs> reference based art and then be like, 
to don't actual get, literal do, history. And then. Yeah, and then, and then be like, don't try to analyze this. Yeah. Like, what? And then you got these guys in this video being like, well, you know, I don't think it's necessarily fair to try to analyze. Is what, like, the thing is what's important, not the idea of the author. And I'm like, I, can't, we can't even be in the same room. Like, <laughs> as though the author's intent and ideas have no bearing on their creation beyond what they made. Yeah. Like, what? Wait, what? Like, what are you even talking about now? Interesting. Because, like, that gets you some weird... That gets you to, essentially, Dolly fascism apology, right? Like, or something like that, right? Like, not specifically him, but, like, the idea that the authors and, like, ideas and intent are irrelevant beyond what they actually produced is is pretty dangerous. Yeah. Reasoning, because... Then it allows you total. Um, what's the word? I, like uh, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. But like it, it frees you from any responsibility in the art you consume, or in the art that even that you make. Yeah, because because all that matters is the thing you produce. Well, I don't want to go to the to the most extreme. You know, I don't want to go full on Goddard's law or whatever here. But like Hitler liked to paint. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, the things that the person thinks and and their ideas and, and beliefs are, are important to the art that gets made, right? We've had to deal with this before with regards to directors, a lot of them, who did bad, bad things. Right. Some of whom are still alive. <laughs> Indeed. Some of them are still acting. Um, yeah. Some of them are still winning fucking Academy Awards or whatever. <laughs> I think, or something. I don't really pay attention to that shit, but <laughs> I think. Now, now, to be fair, there's a massive protest against, uh, uh, oh, goodness, now I just lost his name. The night Yeah, we're going to say super vague here. Um, no. You know who, we all know who we're talking about. I can't remember his name either because I don't do names, as we've discussed earlier. <laughs> right, right. Um, on on somewhere in the never heard of 400 episodes of this show, we've discussed the fact that Pat and names don't get along well. Polanski is who we're thinking. Yeah, Polanski is who we're talking about. And we somehow existed for a moment in a universe where Polanski had a name. In a universe where he didn't have a name? Yeah, (laughs) I was a big fan of that universe. We did not have to ruin it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have done that. We have had a complicated relationship with Bunel over the years, right? Yes. Uh, Discreet Charm, you loved. I did. It is a delightful movie. Uh, Uh... the uh, the Phantom of Liberty has the best cover out of any criterion. Yeah, I mean that's really up. all you need to say about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 fine as a movie, but like it boy, is that a, cover man! It is a butt cosplaying cosplaying <laughs> as the, the Statue of Liberty. I love it so much. And it's wonderful. Oh, um, I I should I just I always forget. I should like have that printed somewhere. Yeah, and then you know we didn't so much like Diary of a Chambermaid. We didn't so much like. Uh, some of the others i can't well and yeah diary of the chambermaid we got into pretty hard because yeah brunel's ideas we get into the same problem that we talk about we've talked about a little bit here it's very easy for this to become judgmental of people yeah Yeah. and that's problematic to like say because suddenly you're putting yourself above them and 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 raining your judgment down upon them rather than trying to exist in a dialogue with them uh, Diary of a Chambermaid definitely exists in I'm above you 
casting judgment upon you in my mind. Hmm. Well, so I'm. It's very much tainted by that that interview, to the point where that's all I remember about it. I'm discovering something interesting that I don't even know that Bunel would have necessarily known at the time. There is a verse in the book of First John, um, four seven, maybe five seven, uh, that has a sort of parenthetical that makes reference to the Trinity as as Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, who are mm-hmm. one. Explicitly, it says that. Um, and it that parenthetical is not in the earliest manuscripts. It is in later manuscripts, certainly, but it's not in the earliest. And uh, while there is some allusion to what could be that parenthetical uh, before Priscillian, uh, the origin of that parenthetical explicitly has been lately suggested to be the writings of Priscillian himself. Which means all that, all that that's a lot of fancy talking to say <laughs> that that this this uh, argued portion of a verse in First John may have actually been or <laughs> original to Priscillian. And as such, Priscillian is important to the arguments about the Trinity and the divinity moving forward through the rest of the film. Right, okay. But again, I think that research might be recent enough that Bunel couldn't possibly have known that. Right, so, right. So so that's very interesting as sort of a side thing to to me. I know you're you're disinterested in all of this and that's understood. <laughs> I am a little bit. Yeah. Like I mean, because again, like the specifics of the debate is yeah. I think fundamentally irrelevant to the actual like point of the of the discussion. Uh, and I think that's, I think, an important thing to sort of take away from it is that, like, he could have picked any other sex. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he could have picked up a like, lot. None of, of that things. actually matters, right. really. Like, it, it, there's, the the main point does remain sound, just as it was in something like Phantom of Liberty, right. which right. is, like, this is all equally. Yeah, throw off your masters. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, this is point. all right. useless. Like, this is all yeah. garbage. And, like, you're not going to get any answers from it. Right, right. Yeah. Um, one one small fun fact, I suppose, uh, on okay. why this is here, called... I'm always here for fun facts. On why this is called the Milky Way is that the path from the rest of Europe to Santiago de Compostela, uh, the place where our tramps are headed, uh, which is traditionally meant to contain the bones of St. James... Uh, the Apostle James, not the one who wrote the book of James, but uh, but James the Apostle, <clears throat> James the Great, uh, or Greater, I suppose. Uh, anyway, uh, the Milky Way galaxy, as seen from uh, the uh, Europe <laughs> before oh, light okay. pollution got to be too much, uh, pointed the way. Roughly, if you follow, if you were on this pilgrimage and you followed the Milky Way galaxy in the sky at night, you would uh, you would get to Santiago 
de Compostela. Which right. Is why, which is why the path was called the Milky Way. Wasn't uh, that sort of described in the opening lines of the movie? It might have been, uh, but I think that's, uh, yeah. Like it's now called, it's now principally called the Way of St. James. Um, I maybe wasn't paying attention at the very beginning of the movie when that was described, but, but yeah. Well, because, yeah, the beginning of the movie describes the sort of history of this pilgrimage. Yeah. One of which is they just sort of miraculously found the body by following the Milky Way. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like or whatever, or like a star. Yeah, which always leads me to you know, like me being who I am. I'm like, okay, like, listen, they miraculously found the body of this person. Show me that this is the no, body of that person. No, none of none of the saints' bones are the saints' bones. Bad. I'm sorry. I know. It's just... So like, what are we even talking about? Right. These stars miraculously. Like, so that we just get into deep, deep into Brunel yeah. almost immediate, which is like, <laughs> what are we even talking about here? Right. We're following a path that leads to a thing that's not a thing. So, like, the fact that the Milky Way leads to it is not also a thing because it leads to nothing. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, <laughs> I we don't need to get into this. This is why I've avoided uh, talking about religion on this podcast right. as much as humanly possible. Well, I'm sorry. Because that all it's going to happen is give me yeah, I'm not happy with him, frankly. I've been perfectly content <laughs> mostly relying on political discussions, yeah. which I am much less, like, I feel like because they are not based on a book that everybody got taught in Sunday school, are more viable for arguing with people than their religious beliefs. I don't know, man. Uh, They're still dogmatically ingrained Oh, I understand culture, they're totally so. dogmatic. I, I get that. What I'm saying is is that like I somehow the modern the society we end up in in the modern era, I feel like they're slightly less likely to get you stabbed. <laughs> Not a lot, but slightly. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, I uh I think it might be time. For us to put a pin in this conversation. Yeah, Brunel is going to, yeah. I'm happy to move on, though, from Brunel. Like, it's, I I did kind of enjoy it once I sort of allowed myself to sort of, like, go with it, like, sort of zen, go with the flow on it. Uh, there are there are plenty of delightfully silly things happening here too. Yes, exactly, and 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 I could take a lot of delight in those. And I and again, taking sort of the whole meta context of the thing was fine. Yeah. Uh, once I sort of let go of the idea that I needed to understand what each thing was, because like some of them don't even say the name of the thing, and I'm like, well, how the <laughs> fuck would I even look that up? <laughs> right, right. Um, we will at some point in the future have to deal with some of other eh, you know, other. Uh, uh, more religious works. Um, oh boy! Oh boy! Simon of the Desert is not that far away. Uh, it is not quite as I've never seen it, so I can't. I can't say explicitly what it is and isn't. But uh, but that's spine number four sixteen. I think it might be our next Buñuel. Uh, okay, but well, we got a little bit of time. We do have a little time, and next week uh, we'll be watching a Carlos Suara film, Cria uh, Cuervos. Uh, from 1976, a Spanish film that I know zero about, and I know zero about the director. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> These always have the most potential, though, right? Right. For in both directions, right? Whenever we don't know anything at all, it's like this could be amazing. This could be the worst thing we've seen so far. Yeah. All right. So we look forward to that. Uh, I will. I will say two weeks from now, 
Robinson Crusoe on Mars. So, okay. However, however next week goes, we've got that right. to look forward to. Yeah, we got to look that that coming up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorgan. We'll see you next week. Stay safe out there. to Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Oatari Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.Bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, or support us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. We'd appreciate it.